When this happened, you talked about it on The Fan. The New York Rangers have won the Stanley Cup. When New York sports happens, talk about it here. The Fan, 1019 FM, and always live on the free Odyssey app. All right, what's up? 102, McMonagle here with you. One hour down, four more to go on our five-hour midnight ride. When you say hour, hour, back-to-back with the two different meetings, you know, hour, 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 five-hour, a lot of hours in there. These are the things I notice as I speak. 877-337-6666. But, yes, one hour down, four more left in the five-hour midnight ride until 5 a.m. in the warm-up show. I did see something that made me sad. And it makes me feel old. You know that I was watching, you ever see those videos where they make the young kids as like a joke? Their parents will like hand them a rotary phone. They'll hand like a 15-year-old a rotary phone. And they'd be like, here, figure out a way to make the call. And they're like, they have no idea how to do it. And they're like, they're trying to push the button. They have no idea. They got to spin it. They have no idea. And they show all these old things and they have no idea how to work them. They have no idea. Well, unfortunately, and I just recently got that because my uh, a, f- a fan of the show sent me a package with all Mark, my guy Mark, sent me a package of all wrestling, you know, figurines for my kids. He sent me a a, a uh, Undertaker folder, a school folder that went right. You know, my 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 little guy Andrew is using it for school now. He loves it. So thank you again, Mark. Really, that was very nice of you. But he also sent CDs, and my kids were like, what the hell? What is this? I'm like, yeah, you play music on it. Well, where? And I'm like, I don't know if I have anywhere to play it. I don't even Where the hell do I have? We have to go in the car, guys. I don't even know where I have a CD player. I guess, I guess my PlayStation would do it. You know, I just like, ugh. But I just saw a story that Best Buy, has now officially, Best Buy is out of any tangible movie or music entertainment. They're out. They are not, there are no more DVDs being sold at Best Buy. You can't go into a Best Buy and buy a DVD anymore. Like, think about that. Like, I don't know if you're my age, if you're older, if you're a movie buff. We talk a lot about movies. Again, oh, I forgot to do an actor. We'll figure something out with that, too. Give us a little ride-along uh, plot line with our five-hour show. But, like, to not be able, like, a big movie came out, let's go get the DVD. Like, let's just go to Best Buy and shop around. Maybe I'll see a movie. Like, the idea that you don't, you can't walk into a Best Buy and buy a DVD or a CD, not that you would even use a CD anymore, or a DVD. Like, it's crazy. That is, like in year, in generations to come, it's probably not that far off. It's probably kids coming up soon. It's my kids. Show them a DVD. They're gonna be like, "What is this? What do I do with this thing?" Like it's unbelievable. Best Buy will not sell DVDs anymore. I mean, I don't know about you, but you know, growing up on Long Island, there's the best. You know, the Best Buy's all over the place, and it was just like that was a night. You know, you go to the mall, you go to the mall or whatever, then you go to you go to Best Buy. Maybe buy a DVD, CD, well, you know, look around, video game, I don't know, whatever. 
I had a couple of friends that worked at Best Buy. We'd go vi- hang out and visit them, whatever. Like, it's just, can't go buy a DVD at Best Buy anymore. Life is changing. 877-337-6666. Um, someone just tweeted at me. You can hit me up on Twitter, too, at at CMACWFAN. Um, if Snell, and this is uh, Meriwether B10, Paul Drake, if Snell were agreeable, could the Yankees do a contract similar to what the Dodgers gave Otani? Let's say $2 million this year and $33 million deferred to avoid the huge luxury. I suppose. I don't know what – uh, that is a – and if you heard Cashman, Cashman was on with uh, Talking Yanks, and he he said – and so and you know so did um, Friedman with, with the Dodgers. Like, he would be embarrassed to present that offer. To a, to a baseball, like to a major league baseball player. He doesn't even know how he would present that kind of offer. Yeah, you'll make $2 million this year, and we're going to bump it back. Like, I don't think, for whatever reason, Otani was willing to do it. Whether it's the, you know, I don't know, $200 million deal he signed with New Balance, whether it's, you know, the, the amount of money that's coming in in other avenues, uh, whether it's he found a way and, and because of that money is willing to, you know, avoid the taxes of California. And and push it back to when he probably will you know move out of the state when his playing career is over. Whatever the case may be, he was willing to do that contract. I do not foresee, and I, I maybe I'm wrong. We'll see. And that's when that contract was made. It was like, oh, well, well then uh, you know Soto will do the same thing. Like I don't think that's going to be a trend inside Major League Baseball. I think Otani is unique in many ways, including what a kind of what kind of a contract he's willing to accept. Yamamoto didn't take that kind of deal. Sure, you can move some money. And maybe the Yankees the Yankees wouldn't have to move that much. They wouldn't have to only pay him two million. I mean, if the Yankees could figure out a way to pay him fifteen million dollars a year, they'd be willing to pay thirty million for this year. Like that's what you're willing to pay. You're not willing to pay much more than that. That's why I thought Burns was still an option after Strowman, because he in arbitration this year, Burns would have made is making fifteen million. They'll pay thirty million for one year of Burns. But they're not going to pay $80, $70 million for a year of Snell. They're just not going to do it. So would he be willing to defer on a long-term deal? Maybe. So that you got me on if he's willing to take an Otani contract, I suppose that's possible for the Yankees. I don't see it. These guys want their money. They want to get paid. They want to get paid now up front. Anything could happen. Like, you know, the tomorrow's not guaranteed to us for anyone. And they, I mean, I know how much money's enough. I don't know. $30 million you could you could feel a lot better about and put you know, put a down payment on a house. I mean, sure, you could take out the loan and say, hey, look, I got $30 million coming to me in 20 years. Like, I, you know, it's just it's not the same, man. I, I just I do not think that will be a trend inside baseball or any other sport on contracts where the deferral will be to that extent. But I suppose major deferrals would, be a, would have to be the only way. If Snell has his heart set on being a Yankee, which reports are he wants to be a Yankee, but I wouldn't think that means he wants to be a Yankee any more than some other places he'd be willing to be. But he, yeah, he knows Judge. Yankees win. Why not? I'd be a Yankee. Let's do, let's make it happen. Nobody else seems to be biting. Uh, let's go. But I don't know if he's going to say, yeah, sure, pay me ten million this year, ten million next year, and then we'll start. You know, in in fifteen years, I'll make forty million. Like, I just I don't see that. Todd Mortaberry, what's up, Todd? Hey, how you doing, C-Mac? Good. How are you, buddy? Hey, real quick, uh, I'm a Derby, Connecticut police officer, and uh, me, Bruce, and Dave listen to you when we're doing the uh, four Bravo business checks. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you very much. 
All right, so I want to talk about Patino. Yes. Like, um, so I wanted to wonder, he said some crazy things about his team. He called them non-athletic. He said they yes. can't move laterally. Is this the new thing? Like, they're a lot, the coaches are allowed to criticize the players, even though they're student athletes, but they're making money. But he brought the like the players in, so I'm like so confused. No, like, yeah, I don't. I mean, I think I don't think there's any reason why you couldn't you you on you know any sort of bylaw or and it, you it's just typically not done. I don't think there were any rules against criticizing a player. I just don't think it's done, and and because they're college athletes. You know, maybe I guess in some way, if they're making a if they're making a significant amount of money, you feel a little bit better or a little bit more on moral ground ground of 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 you know knocking down a player where you wouldn't have in previous years before they made money as college students. Uh, but I don't think that's it. I think he just is being open and honest. I think that's how he views it. He doubled down on it, saying he had no problem with what he said. So she met. I don't understand it. I mean, it's it was it was. I thought it was asinine. I thought it was a. I could not believe he said it. Uh, I mean, these are the guys he brought in again. This was not. He didn't take on the the St. John. He didn't get hired ten days before the season started, and then just took the St. John's team and ran with it. He 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 changed the team to and picked all the players and brought them here for the most part. And like now he's killing them, calling them unathletic. This one slow. This, like literally, God bless his heart, he tries, but he's just terrible out there. I've never heard. And then to flat out say, I've never been more miserable. I've never enjoyed coaching less than I'm enjoying than I am right now. Like that's crazy. So do you think he's trying to force his way out? Like he's no, ripping I, the facilities. I don't think he's, no, I don't, yeah. Well, the facilities thing has been a discussion since he came there. Like that's been a knock on St. John's for a long time, and the discussion was when he came here, we're going to have to update the facilities if we want to bring in legitimate big time prospects and change this. Uh, you know, change this school around and change this program around. We're going to have to update the facilities. So that just was another thing that came out during his excuse-making uh, uh, press conference. But it wasn't anything new. He's already said that. He's talked about having to improve that. He hasn't blatantly said it sucks necessarily, but he's talked about needing to improve it. I, I just think he's embarrassed by the losing. He is actually miserable. And he just wanted to go out there and speak his mind. And he doesn't care. And he's just willing to say, "Look, they're not—they're not athletic. They're not—they're not laterally quick, and and kill everybody, kill everybody on the team, kill the recruiting, kill his coaches for recruiting. You know, just he went scorched earth on his own program and own team. It's—I've never think seen he's here like next year. Yes, I think he's here next year. Yes, like with a re- completely revamped team. Has to, yeah, like- has to be. He just told this. He just told everyone in." Uh, in in earshot that this team's awful. So yes, now I'm worried about it impacting recruiting for next year, because what player is going to want to come here and hey, listen, if I get beat off the dribble, he's going to call me laterally slow to everybody uh, in the media. <laughs> like, like I I think that might it be I'd be hesitant to come play for him. He is Rick Pitino and he does win, but I mean I I just don't think he did himself any favors. It was you know I, I don't think he wants out. I think he's he's big enough where he'll just quit if he wants out. Like, but I it, mean. It was- it was it was odd, Todd, and thank you for the call. It was just odd. I didn't I didn't understand any of it. That tirade from Patino from Patino made no sense to me. I mean, everyone's slow. Even the guy like everyone's slow and they suck, and that's why we're losing. They, I mean, the efforts there, but they're just not tough. And watching this slop day after day, has made it the least enjoyable time of my entire career. I mean, even when I was with the Celtics and I was an NBA failure 
and my Celtic team was an embarrassment, and I was out much quicker than I wanted to be, and it was just a very difficult time. We thought we were going to get Tim Duncan. Now I'm paraphrasing. He didn't say all this stuff. I'm just, you know, but we thought we were going to get Tim Duncan. He ends up going to the Spurs. You know, we ended up having a miserable tenure there. Even that disgusting era of my career, at least I enjoyed being the coach, and it was fun. This, here it's here at St. John's, oh, this team, and watching them with their lateral slowness is just, oh, it's unbearable to watch. I can't take it. I've never enjoyed coaching less. I mean, I can't. That's, and he's calling players out by name. Oh, my God. I can't, I cannot believe everything he said in that press conference. No, I think they're unathletic. We we scouted and we scouted and brought in a team and recruited a team that goes against everything I coach. I typically coach quick, fast, talented, tough, tenacious teams, and this is anything but. <laughs> and and because of that, I'm miserable. I mean, jeez, yeah, those comments are going to reverberate for a while. I just, and listen, we were all excited. I was excited. I would love to have college basketball be an an impact here. And I know that UConn, not too far away, is the number one team in the country right now. Unanimous. They just got voted unanimous number one team in the country coming off um, a championship. So, you know, there should be some excitement there. And once the tournament starts, which, by the way, again, is the even for us, you know, I'm a casual basketball, a casual uh, college basketball fan. I, I admit, I don't have a team. I'm a pro guy. Always been a pro guy. Never really followed any college athletics that closely. I don't have a team. I didn't go away to college. I mean, I, 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 follow, I follow college football even more than I do come, you know, come tournament time, though it's the greatest time ever. The tournament itself leads to, and it and it devalues the regular season for the most part. So it's it's easy not to pay attention to. But once the conference tournaments start, you know it's it's the it's the best three four best three weeks of the sporting calendar, arguably. But I mean, so we were excited to maybe have St. John's making some big time games, maybe being you know a favorite inside the Big East tournament, maybe you know being a player, uh, being a tournament team. And Rick Pitino, within a couple of years, and that's the thing I don't understand, and I said this yesterday, the thing I really don't understand about Rick Pitino is like, he's doing himself no favors. He's making it harder to recruit next year's team, at least in my opinion. Maybe I'm wrong on that, but in my opinion, I think it's harder. And he's doing it with no one. I don't, who's, who's on him? Like, who's really on Rick Pitino to, like, that is just like, like, this sounds like a guy who's defending himself is about to get fired. Like, Joe Judge did this. Like, all right, guys who, like, their seasons are falling apart. It's a disaster. They might get fired. Like, it's, uh, I mean, their their careers are on the line. Who's on Rick Patino year one at St. John's to have a, a, a dramatically better season than this? Like, all right, it, it was. it's probably overall disappointing. It might even be in some circles very disappointing. I don't know how many circles, but maybe some circles it's extremely disappointing. But it's year one. Hurley, with we, I just mentioned, UConn won the national championship this year. The the uh, you know you, you uh, undisputed number one right now, unanimous number one right now, and he had an under five hundred season year one in, in in UConn. It takes time. 
I don't think anybody, if if he just quietly went about having a disappointing season at St. John's, I don't think anybody's on him. No one's clamoring for his job. All right, hey, next year, listen, they got to do better. Fine. Patino's, you know, plans got to start showing, you know, bearing fruit come next season. Those will be some of the stories written. But it won't be, oh, my God, Patino's lost it. This team is atrocious. It's nothing but, you know, unathletic, unilaterally slow, you know, terrible players. And because of that, this is the least uh, fun I've ever had covering the team. Like, you know, nobody would have said that. I really don't think that would have been a major talking point here. But he went scorched earth anyway. 877-337-6666. We'll get into the Mets and Marte and what kind of impact he can have and how good this team can be defensively, which is probably their strength at the moment. We'll see. And a couple other baseball things. One man who is showing very much like the NBA uh, All-Star game, and maybe we'll get into that too. There's a certain player out there who I've called out before who just irks me, who said something that I understand but put it in a way that makes him very unlikable. And he doesn't seem to have passion for the game of baseball. And then another player on his team who, unlike a lot of NBA stars, doesn't want to take the easy way out when this happened, you talked about it on the fan. Odell Beckham Jr. made the catch Ridiculous. with one hand for the touchdown. Wow, what a catch by the rookie. Ridiculous. When New York sports happens, talk about it here. The Fan, 1019 FM, and always live on the free Odyssey app. All right, so you know, we on these five-hour shows, and we have so much time to talk about different things. And we have so much time to get into some, you know, outside-the-box things, some different things that I'm passionate about. I'm passionate about movies. So we've done a lot of actors' uh, favorite. We did Gene Hackman. Uh, it was spurned by a caller who called up and asked about my favorite Kurt Russell movie or something. So that spurned a thing on Kurt Russell. Then we did Gene Hackman, uh, Al Pacino. We've done a couple of different guys. So I'm going to change it up a little bit not do an actor because I mentioned a movie yesterday, Perfect World, with Kevin Costner. And Kevin Costner is like an escaped convict, but he's brilliant. He's like off the charts, brilliant. He's been tested. He's like really a smart, smart guy. And Clint Eastwood is the cop trying to chase him down, and he's on the lam, he's on the run, and he's forced to like kidnap a kid along the way. You know, he ends up in a situation where he has to take the kid with him to get out of a spot. And then him and the kid are on the road together, and they bond. And, you know, the kid never was, you know, his parents didn't celebrate birthdays. His parents didn't celebrate holidays. So he never went trick-or-treating. And he takes the kid to trick-or-treating and all these things. And then by the end of the movie, his, like, final demands as he's shot, bleeding, and dying, his final demands are all for the kid. Make sure the kid gets this. Make sure he gets birthdays. But And, like, that scene. And the kid doesn't want to leave his side. And he's cr- crying. You know, he's like, I guess he's like a 10, 12-year-old kid. It makes me cry at the end. So I was... As I'm thinking about things we could talk about, let's be honest with ourselves. Okay, I know it's sports talk radio, especially at 126 in the morning. We're all tough guys, staying up late, talking baseball. Apparently, you know, a couple of, a little too early for other people. Base, never too early for baseball. I don't care what you say about me on Twitter. Think I care? It's baseball season, especially during the NBA All Star break. There's no, I did hockey for two hours yesterday. 
But I don't have to defend myself, and that's why I feel good. And I feel honest about a movie that made me cry. So if you have any movies that you found particularly emotional, I know a lot of people cry at Rudy for us sports fans. If you have a movie that made you cry, if you had a movie that you got emotional about, feel free to call in and let me know. Mine, mine I'd have to say, mine is, is probably Perfect World. And especially now that I have children. When I first saw it, I didn't have any, obviously. Now that I have a couple kids, oh, forget about it. Anything. I can't watch anything anymore. Anything where kids get separated. Anything like, you know, anything. Anything remotely about, you know, something happened with your children. It's it's very tough to take. It's amazing how that happens. But very emotional. And I was also emotional today. So if you want to give me a call and let me know any movies that moved you to tears, be tough, be agree. Uh, be agree. I just literally read agree and said it. Be honest with yourself and let me know. We're all family here. This is a safe zone. Come in, tell me what made you cry. Because I got a couple. I'll think about them as we move along. 877-337-6666. But I also saw something in the news today that made me cry as well. Because as a fat kid my whole life, there are fewer joys than when you hear the ice cream truck coming down the block. Let's be totally honest. There are fewer joys, especially in the summertime. I remember there was like a slushy guy. I used to, when I, before I moved to Long Island, I grew up in uh, Ozone Park, Queens. And that's where I went to elementary school. And I remember there was a, outside the school, there was, I think I went to, I think I went to, I know I went to OLPH in Ozone Park. And every day outside that school was a slushy guy. In, in the warmer months. And I remember being so excited to go out there and get an orange slushy almost every day. But there is few greater things than the ice cream men coming. You hang out. I used to hang out at Rath Park in Franklin Square when I grew up. And the ice cream truck would come through. We'd be playing handball, basketball, whatever. At the pool, we'd hear the ice cream truck. Pfft, we're out of the water. We're off the court. Blah, blah, blah. We're getting ice cream. And my personal go-to, mainly because it's easy to eat, and just delicious, my go-to has always been Choco Taco. I've had more Choco Tacos than I care to admit. Those were my jam. I love Choco Tacos. And I was devastated to learn a few years ago that Klondike, I believe the company that makes them, stopped making Choco Tacos. How the demand for Choco Tacos has gotten to such a low point that Klondike needed felt the, the, the need to discontinue such a great item boggles my mind but choco tacos have been a thing of the past for a brief time here but apparently apparently the greatest fast food chain in the history of mankind and they got this distinction now and i'm sure you can guess where i'm going with this considering it's a choco taco but apparently this summer coming to a taco bell near you we are going to have choco tacos back now, apparently, I think it's made by a different company. It might be a little bit different, but as far as I'm concerned, the world has been without one of the great, comforting, summertime, easy, uh, that silver wrapper, man. You have that Choco Taco in your hand. 
and the waffle cone isn't you know it's like you, you don't have to hold the stick but it's you can you can hold it without it being too cold it's you bite into it it's so perfect the choco taco for a, like I said it's not a banana split it's not a great ice cream sundae it's not you know anything too special but just for a quick easy treat off the ice cream truck nothing was better and i've tried to stay away from fast food because that is my real problem fast food junkie I have to hit it when Taco Bell brings back the Choco Taco. I have to. I have to be there. I'll be in line, Taco Bell. You got me. I'll be there for Choco Taco. Bring it back, Klondike. You guys are nuts over there. And when's the last time you did what you, you know, what would you do for a Klondike bar commercial? You guys have nothing. You don't have anything. And you're taking away Choco Tacos? I haven't seen a. When's the last time you've seen a York Peppermint Patty commercial, by the way? Those are like everywhere. These are the things. This is a good uh, thoughts Thoughts from the road. I got to get that segment put together. Thoughts from the road as I'm driving in. I was thinking about this the other day, not while I was driving in, if, in all, uh, if we're going to be transparent, but it did cross my mind the other day. I think about these uh, with the Super Bowl. We think of all these commercials and, oh, this one's funny, that one's terrible, blah, blah. But they were like long-running commercials that have gone, gone away. I don't think the product has necessarily gone away, but the commercials have gone away. Do you remember the York peppermint patty? You bite into a York peppermint patty, and suddenly I'm on the slopes. Or like, you know, I'm driving NASCAR. Like, whatever the York peppermint patty, like, it was like a bolt of energy, and you did all these things. The York peppermint patty commercials are gone. What would you do for a Klondike bar? Haven't seen one in forever. Those those commercials were rampant. Every you always saw what would you do for a Klondike bar. I miss those great commercials. 877-337-6666. And I and I referenced the commercial that I don't think Mike got it. Do you remember the 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 canned gravy commercial with where's the lumps? Nobody seems to remember that commercial. It was like an older couple and the the the, the product was like a canned, I forget which company, but it was like a canned gravy. And and the 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 older you know the grandma of the of the couple is like I don't like it because it's like this and like that oh if it's real gravy have it like this blah blah and then just the husband steps in and puts his foot in his mouth and he goes yeah if it's real gravy where's the lumps because people don't remember the where's the lumps commercials I used to see the where's the lumps commercials all the time yeah yeah if it's real gravy where's the lumps and then she gives him a dirty look. Because there aren't supposed to be lumps, he's insinuating his wife's gravy has lumps in it. Come on, I don't. I shouldn't have to explain all of this to you, Kevin in Hartford. What's up, Kev? So, uh, two things there, Chris. Yes. Um, first off, being a father of three, my children are a little bit older now. I have an adult and two teenagers, but being a father of three, a movie that makes me cry is the ending of the Lorax. When the Lorax comes back down and points out to the Onceler all the wrong that he had committed, and the Onceler finally realizes that everything he did chopping down the forest was was bad, and he gives the seed to the kid. That gets it gets me every time. That and a dog's purpose. Those are the two. Those two movies get me every time. Um, and then the other thing I got tonight for you is uh, that's an excellent answer. You know what? I've read the I've read the the book. I've read the Doctor Seuss book. I've actually never seen the movie. 
But well, listen, I, I'm, a, I, I'm, I'm. You have children, I'm assuming. I know I, you have children. Oh, really? Sit down yeah. and watch the Laura. I got to sit down and watch the Laura. Mike just told me in my ear that he likes it and Taylor Swift's in it, which now he's biased in that opinion. So I don't know if I can trust him. But apparently, you have to yeah. take a oh, guess. Yeah, you know who Swift plays the Laura? Well, it's Danny DeVito. I know. I remember Danny DeVito's the main character, but I happen to have never seen it. I've definitely read the book. My kids are into Dr. Seuss, so I've read the book. Uh, but I got to check out the movie. But that that being the movie that makes you cry is tremendous. And yes, sometimes and, and I totally agree. It's funny because even with, with with the kids, it's made it harder to watch animal movies as well. Like anything happens to animals, I feel like I was better with it before I was a father. It's weird. Like the, if you never if you never saw a Dog's Purpose, that's another one. Right? Um, uh, is that with Dennis Quaid? Quaid? Yeah, Dennis Quaid. It's yeah. like a, it's like a dog reincarnated. He keeps leaving different lives. As yeah, different dogs, different life. Yeah, yes. I'm not going to spoil it for you. Sit okay. down and watch it. Okay. Um, and what do you think about the Yankees maybe giving Snell a one year, thirty two million dollar deal? Never going to happen. You don't think so? No, because that's well, that's was, paying him. One year, that, that's paying him seventy million dollars. Yeah, that's what they're saying. One well, year, not, forty million, and then going forty four million over the luxury tax of the one right. year forty is like paying him eighty four million. Well, it's not paying him necessarily. He won't see the eighty million, but he'll see forty of it, and then they got to give forty back to Major League Baseball. The Yankees can't. The Yankees aren't going to pay eighty million dollars for one year of Blake Snell. They're just not going to do we it. Still need a, we, then we. Why don't we just take a flyer on Bauer already, man? That's, I I I keep beating it to death. I mean, no, we I, need another pitcher, Chris. We I, need one more. I don't care what Rondon looks like coming in the spring training. He looks I, great. That's fabulous. I hear you. But we need one more. No, I know. And, I, and listen, I'm bought into it a little bit more than you, Kev. I actually think he's going to be good. Maybe it's just my 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 eternal optimism when it comes to the New York Yankees. We'll see. But I, I have a feeling he's going to be good. Um, but we'll see. But you're not wrong. And I'm telling you, as the season gets closer, and got, and if one of these guys go down, if that last caller was right, or not the last caller, but one of the callers I took this morning was right, and Nesta Cortez goes down, and, you know, or Rodon is terrible and has, continues to have back problems and doesn't make it out of spring, there's going to eventually, right now, I don't think people think of it as much. But as, and it's certainly not talked about, I, I watch a lot of these baseball shows, like it's really not discussed about giving Bauer a chance. Like, as you get closer to the season, especially if they lose a guy here to injury in spring training, you are going to start to hear. You are going to start to hear why not Bauer. A lot more. That is going to be a big-time talking point. The only one, really, I mean, I'll give it to him. BT is the only one. BT's been saying it for a while. I see BT tweeted every once in a while. It, I mean, it's the answer to, there's no question. Take out everything else. Take out all, just forget, for the, for the purpose of this argument for a minute, forget everything he's been accused of, any issue he had with Cole in college, uh, <clears throat> any idea that he's, you know, disliked by teammates. He is exactly the fit for the New York Yankees. I mean, really for any team, but specifically since we, we're here in New York. I mean, a low price tag on a top-level pitcher. <laughs> I mean, I, listen, again, that's every team. Who wouldn't want that? But, I mean, it's exactly what the Yankees would need. And as we get closer to the season, you could definitely, you might start to hear some clamoring for it. More than you hear now. There's no doubt about it. I just don't know if, I just don't know if they can do it. 
I, I just, I don't know. Uh, it's one of those things. I don't, if they were going to do it, I feel like they already would have done it. Unless they get hit by an injury, how desperate will they get? Off an 82-win season, that's the question right now for the New York Yankees. Off an 82-win season that they have themselves called a disaster and, you know, unacceptable and have gone out and tried to impact the season, gotten Juan Soto, got Verdugo, um, got Stroman, are still, you know, I still think they're trying to get Blake. I just don't see how they could. They're not going to get him. But, like, they're trying everything to win this year. If something happens again to this rotation that's full of question marks, if Nesta Cortez doesn't make his way back, if Rodon goes down, like, yeah, they have Luke Weaver who would step in and they feel pretty good about, you know, they'll they'll tell you about Beater or Hampton or some of the other guys still, you know, Luis Heal. But, I mean, if they really get desperate, there's a, there's a Cy Young Award winner just sitting on the sidelines willing to take a damn near league minimum probably just to try and get back in baseball and, and, and put stuff behind them. It's going to be difficult to continue to ignore that. And someone's going to do it. He's going to get a second chance, whether it's this year, next year. Someone's going to give it to him. And then whoever does is either going to have egg on their face or is going to be proven to have made one of the, you know, shrewder deals of that particular offseason, whether it be this one or next one. I mean, I just don't know if the Yankees can do it. 877-337-6666. Movies that make you cry. And he comes right out with the Lorax. So I'm getting a couple of uh, sh- uh, things about it with uh, on Twitter about movies. Um, 1983 movie Without a Trace, starring Judd Hirsch, based on a true story. The uh, they found a little uh, boy kidnapped and brought him home. I don't remember. I've never heard of Without a Trace with Judd Hirsch. Um. Mike F. Narcoleptic, narcoleptic. Okay, Mike F. Not with a picture of Francesca sleeping. Uh, Zach Efron movie Iron Claw got me emotional. That just came out. I've been meaning to see it. It. it I was looking at uh, things today. I actually, the kids are home this week, so you got to do something with them. And I, I slept a little bit uh, late today, and we have a chance to go out or do anything. So I we watched the movie today, and I rented Little Giants for three bucks. Little Giants is tremendous. I forgot how much I like Little Giants and Ed, Ed O'Neill, how good he is in that movie. How much you hate him, but both laugh at him at the same time. He's very good. Um, so I was watching Little Giants, and it's up for rent. I'm, I, I got to check to see if they'll charge you 20 bucks to rent it. But I, I'm just still – I know this is weird, but Zac Efron's face is so dramatically different. He claims it's like an injury, but it's not surgery. I don't know. The guy looks completely different. From the kid who was in, you know, High School Musical, certainly. And then even the other movie with Seth uh, Rogen. What was that? Neighbors? Bad Neighbors? Something like that? I don't know. But I got to see it. It's about uh, the that wrestling family. I saw uh, a little bit of a clip. It's got Ric Flair in it. The kids, the kids obviously can't watch it, but I'm sure it's uh, a little bit too dark for them. But I wonder if uh, any of those... I don't know the family. I got to watch the movie. I don't know it that well, The Iron Claw. But I'll, I'll look into it. I don't know if it made me it will make me cry. The Wrestler was pretty emotional since we go on wrestling movies. And let's be honest, who didn't, who didn't cry at No Holds Barred with Zeus and Hulk Hogan? I mean, everybody 
if you didn't if you didn't get a, if you didn't get emotional at the end of No Holds Barred when Hulk Hogan finally takes on Zeus, then I don't know what's wrong with you, quite honest. Or any of the Roddy Roddy Piper films that he was so good in. I'm trying to think of other wrestlers that made movies. Uh, the big show was Captain Insano in Waterboy. Obviously, The Rock and John Cena, but they've become so mainstream, I don't even consider them wrestlers. DJ in Eatontown. What's up, DJ? Hey, how you doing, C-Mac? Good. How are first you, buddy? First of all, I'm good. Uh, first thing that gets me choked up is feel the dreams when they're playing catch at the end. Yep. That always gets... That, that's a tear Oh, no, and he calls, uh, him, he calls him dad at the end. He's like, dad, you want to have a catch? Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah, of course. Thinking about it, you gave me. No. Um, but as far as the Yankees go, like, if you want Trevor Bauer, and, like, there's rumors that him and Cole don't get along. Like, I know Domingo Armand's blowing every second chance he's got, but still did a bunch of other former Yankees there in, like, back in the 90s. You also got Julio Arias out. There's a bunch of guys out there who you might be able to get on the cheap who um, have some – has some issues, so to speak. Now, I don't know. Like, I would take a flyer on Harmon because, like, he went to rehab. Maybe he's the guy that can come in and just eat innings. Yeah. At the end of the I, day, I, it's one thing. They they were there, and apparently there was there was quite a scene in the Yankee clubhouse. I think I think other teams might be willing to give a chance on him. I think the Yankees have seen enough. I, I think it's just yeah. it's it's it, they were there for it. They were it was up close and personal, and apparently it got really ugly. In that locker room, so I, I think Herman's done with the New York Yankees. Okay, and then what about Julio Arias? Like I know he was arrested, but his charges got dropped. I don't know if he was suspended at all last year. To, to thinking about it, but like got a guy who's flexible, who could be a swing guy, sort of like how Michael King was, because he he was the guy on the mound when they won the COVID World Series. Like I I don't know. I don't see Bauer coming to the Yankees. Because, like, apparently Cole and him in college just didn't get along. I don't know. Maybe they both grown up since, you know, I would, I, I, Yeah, I mean, I think so. He addressed that uh, when Bauer was on with um, uh, BT and, and um, Sal. And he talked like, yeah, I mean, you know, it was it was probably a, a, a teammate rivalry that was taken too far at times. But he thinks that right now that if, you know, if Cole wasn't worried about public reaction to it, that if before this all happened, if – he would have vouched for for Bauer. He would, um, if asked to vouch for Bauer. I don't. I don't know. I, I. I just think that's probably part of it. And considering all the different stuff with, with uh, Bauer, to add the idea that the one of the clear leaders of the team has an issue with him, like it just it might lead to a dynamic inside the room that you don't want. Because then if there's guys who like Bauer and 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 Bauer and and even if Bauer and Cole are fine, but just frosty, like you know. Or just not friendly, like it could be something. I because there's history there. It's not just another teammate where, yeah, you know, me and him just, you know, we don't, we're not that friendly. There's nothing wrong with that. But when they come in knowing they're not that friendly, and then it, it's almost like the Jeter A Rod thing, which I did think hindered the team a little bit. And the one aspect of Jeter's career, especially Jeter's captainship, that always bothered me since we have A Rod Day. I guess the the banner's been taken down already. What it got? It, it lasted ten. It lasted two days in here. But one of the worst things that Jeter ever did, in my opinion, as captain of the Yankees, was make things difficult for Alex Rodriguez. Once you're a Yankee, you're a Yankee. And you might have a personal grudge, but let that go for the benefit of the team and the betterment of the team. And Jeter didn't do anything to help Alex Rodriguez feel welcomed inside that clubhouse. 
And that's a failing of his. It just is. It's not a huge failing. It's not anything worth, you know, calling him out, necessarily calling him out for or disliking him or knocking him in any way. Jeter's the best, but he could have done that better. He could have done that better. He could have made sure Alex Rodriguez, who was going to be obviously a clear, you know, huge piece of that team, he could have tried to help him fit in a little bit better and put let bygones be bygones, but he didn't. Uh, Joe and LBI, what's up, Joe? What's up, C-Mac? What's going on? Hey. How are you? Good. Perfect World, one of my all-time favorite movies. Yes, that's a great movie. Awesome. Uh, but one that makes me cry very emotional. Did you ever hear of Gone Baby Gone? With, uh, yes, Casey with Alec, Affleck. with, uh, with um, what's his name's brother, right? Um, yeah, Casey, Casey Affleck. Casey Affleck, yes. I, I've I've heard of it. I might have. I probably have even seen parts of it, but I don't think I've seen the whole movie. Yeah, that's one worth watching if you could. Casey, Casey Affleck's that, pretty good. He's, he's very underrated. Yeah, listen, he was um, obviously his most recent big movie was a couple years ago now, but it was that uh, the movie where um, what was the name of it? It was like a Boston town was the name of it, right? It was. Uh, where he loses his 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 children in the fire, um, that that was a, a sad movie. It's like Manchester or something. Um, I'll look it up, but yeah, Casey Affleck. And thank you for the call, Joe. Casey Affleck plays a father who was, you know, I think he was having a night with his buddies, um, and his buddies left. He was having like a poker night or whatever in his basement, and his buddies left. And he still wanted to, you know, drink. He probably had a little bit of a drinking problem. And he went out to the store and to go buy more beer. And he put a log on the fire of his fireplace and didn't put the, you know, the casing back on or the, the gate to make sure no embers. And the house ended up burning down. He lost his kids and he couldn't deal with it. It was a very emotional movie. What was the name of it? What's his big movie? Manchester by the Sea. So he's he's struggling with the idea that you know his mistake led to the the death of his children, which I can't even imagine. And uh, had a couple of emotional scenes. I thought it was a little like there was like the one big scene that made them between him and his his wife, like and it was a lot of like he could barely talk. And I'm like, oh yeah, I guess I can convey the emotion, but like there's nothing to this scene. It wasn't as good as people said, but very emotional movie. Mark and Queens, what's up, Mark? Hello, Mark. No, Mark. Mark going once, Mark going twice. Yeah, I'm seeing this Gone Baby Gone movie. I have to look into that. All right, thank you, Mark, for nothing. 149, McMonagle here with you. 877-337-6666. You know, I could talk real quick before we lead into break here. I wanted to talk about someone. As we talk about the NBA, right, and the difference in the NBA, maybe we'll get into this a little bit more. I wanted to – we just had a couple hours last night. We were talking a lot about hockey. But the NBA and the different mentality of the NBA player versus the old NBA player, the current, really all of sports uh, in some ways has changed so much where, you know, you, you very rarely see rivalries. You guys, they're all part of the brothership that is the MLB union for sure. And um, especially going through all the different um, strikes and whatever else. And battles they've gone through in Major League Baseball, they're certainly, you know, kind of a team in many ways. NBA, 
guys have formed these super teams as well as not competed in the All-Star break and just the way the uh, the way the game has changed. I have to respect Mike Trout because, honestly, if I were Mike Trout, now he's been injured a lot. There's no doubt about it. He's been injured a lot over the last couple of years. But he's won three MVPs. He is, you know, the great baseball player of this generation. Uh, he is no longer the best. Judge is better. His former teammate Otani does both. And when he does both, he's the best player in baseball. Uh, so he's not the the same guy he once was, nor has he had the same standing inside Major League Baseball he once did. But he's a great player. When he plays, he is phenomenal. And if he could stay healthy, he'll still be in competition for an MVP every single year. That's how good he is. And he's still, you know, in the prime of his career, if healthy. But the Angels have done nothing. He has played in one playoff series in his career. And they've spent money. They gave Albert Pujols a big-time deal. They gave Josh Hamilton a big-time deal. They've given, you know, big deal after big deal. They can never get any damn pitching. They had Otani for, he's had Otani for five years on his own team. Like, and yet they just can't figure out a way to win. Now, some of it's certainly lately with Otani, his inability to stay on the field. But if anyone, especially after they were unable to sign Otani, if anyone would have said, hey, look, let, let's this run has been great. I love it here, but let's move me somewhere else. Let me go give me a chance to win. It'll probably be best for the team. Get a bunch of draft pay, get a, you know, get a bunch of prospects, do what you got to do. Let's move on. And instead, Mike Trout, when showing up to camp, said, I don't want to be traded. That's the easy way out. Quote, that's the easy way out. In a world where we're seeing like, sure, money is a huge aspect, but a lot of times, certainly we look at a guy like Kevin Durant. Like, I respect Kevin Durant's game. We're talking about one of the great players in NBA history, one of the great scorers in NBA history. His ability to do what his, he does at his size is incredible. But he looks for the easy way out. He has no interest in, in, in putting his foot in the ground and saying, I'm going to win here. He doesn't care about planting flags he doesn't care about making, you know, he wants send me somewhere where I have a bunch of guys around me who fit my game and I can be my, my best and I continue to progress as a as a gamer. And he and, and by all stretch, yeah, he he works his ass off. He tries hard. He plays defense. So it's not about that necessarily, but when it comes to just he doesn't care about the weight of a franchise and winning on his own and and legacy. Has no interest in it. Doesn't really care. At least that's my opinion on the matter. And that's pretty much how I feel he's treated his career. And there's many guys like that. They want to build these super teams, win. Nobody nobody wants to say, hey, this is my team. I'll figure out a way to win. And on the NBA, it's a lot easier to do that if you're a superstar. If you're the Mike Trout of the NBA, if you're LeBron James, you know, he's bounced around, but you don't he could figure out a way to build the team around him. He's with Cleveland, they're in the NBA finals. He's without Cleveland, they win 20 games. Like that's that's the NBA. Major League Baseball is not like that. And yet here is Mike Trout saying, no, I don't want to move on. I don't want to get traded to the Yankees. I don't want to get traded to the Dodgers. I don't want to get traded to the Astros. I don't want to get traded to some team that I know is going to win, competes, puts in. I don't want to get traded to the Mets. I don't want to get traded to the Boston Red Sox. No, thank you. I want to stay here with the team that drafted me, the team that gave me a chance, and I want to finally figure out how to win here. And I respect the hell out of it. Because a lot, I would have, 
I'm I'm one for that. I think that sounds great. Even I would have been like this freaking organ. I thought we were finally going to sell the. I thought the owner was finally going to sell the team. Then he turns around, changes his mind. They haven't been able to give me a damn pitcher to uh, any pitching to save my life. I've played in one series. I wasn't that good in it, and we lost all three games against the uh, against the Red Sox. I believe he hasn't even played in the playoffs, and it's. I'd be like, I'm done with this crap. Move me to somewhere I know I can go compete because you are talking about the face of baseball that nobody knows. I mean, for years, that's been the face of baseball. He plays out on the West Coast when everybody's sleeping. They never play a big game. They never play in the postseason. And I would just be aching for that. Especially now with the added playoff teams, I still can't make it. I'd be like, get me the hell out of here. And yet he just wants to win. And he wants to do it there, and I respect the hell out of it. I'm really, like, I'll be rooting for Mike Trout. Because in the generation of so many players looking for the easy way out, and he's got enough pull. If he told, if he told ownership, if he told, if he said, "Look, just trade me," they'd do it. I think they would. I think they, I think they'd do it, or at least you know, effort it in a serious manner and see if they can get anything they want. I mean, if they get anything they they would desire, but they got another problem with their hands with with Rondon. 